Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and special VIP co-hosts. Join in on a great conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the latest tricks and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso and his co-host. Welcome to the Spotlight. I'm your host, Tony D'Urso. And joining me today as my co-host is the Lifetime Achievement Award 2016 recipient, Dr. Barbara Young. Dr. B has well over 40 years of experience in education as a senior level administrator and a university adjunct professor. She served on a number of local, state, and national boards in leadership roles and received numerous awards for her expertise. More about Dr. B is at transformationforsuccess.com. Hello, Dr. B. How are you today? Hello, Tony. I'm great. How are you? I am just doing great, and I am so pleased to have you once again on the spotlight as my co-host. So thank you so much for making yourself available today. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be in the presence of great people. (laughs) You're so cool. You're so kind. And for our audience, you are listening to the spotlight where we focus on highlighting Hollywood stars sports greats, and game changers. If you're a fit, we want your interview on the Spotlight. We broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m., so please set your calendar to hear from the world's elite. And you can catch every episode of the Spotlight on my mobile app. Just go to tonydurso.com slash mobile from your smart device or cell phone. And once it loads... Past episodes of the Spotlight will automatically appear in Column 1. And Column 2 is my other weekly show highlighting elite entrepreneurs called Revenue Chat. All right, today we set the stage for the Spotlight to chat with Hank Moore, business guru and humanitarian. And for our audience, today's topic is community leadership and Hank's new book, Nonprofit Legends, which has been nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. That is amazing. Hank Moore has been inducted into seven halls of fame, including the U.S. Business Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the UNICEF International Hall of Fame. He is the highest level of business overview expert, and he's in that rarefied circle of experts such as Peter Drucker, Tom Peters, Stephen Covey, Peter Senge, and W. Edwards Deming. Drucker termed Hank Moore's business tree as the most original business model of the past 50 years. Okay, enough said. Here we go. Welcome to the spotlight, Hank. My pleasure to be with you and to talk to Dr. B. Thank you. Very, very cool. And it is our honor to have you. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today on the spotlight. What an honor to have you on our show. I can't wait to dig into some questions in today's topics, but first things first, Hank, could you please tell us how it all started for you? Uh, It started at a 1,000-watt radio station (laughs) in Austin, Texas, and I started my career at the age of 10 as a radio DJ, and very quickly I got to know uh, a lot of the great stars of the music industry. The first person I ever interviewed on live radio was Elvis Presley. Oh my in goodness. In 1958, wow. he just walked in the studio. I had just been turned loose on the board and I had an adult supervisor there helping me navigate the equipment. And I turned around and I said, I saw an army soldier walking in and he said, hi, I just thought I'd stop in and do an interview. And I thought, what is an army soldier doing here? And I looked at his badge, he sat down and it said, Private Elvis Presley, and most people know about, that know about Elvis that are old enough to know about Elvis know that he served his two years in Germany. But before you go to serve, you got to do your basic training somewhere. And he happened to be at Fort Hood in Colleen, Texas, which is just north of Austin, where I grew up. So, you know, I thought I was in pretty good cotton at that time. I'm sitting around hobnobbing with Elvis, 
And my role model at that time was Dick Clark, and American Bandstand was uh, on TV, and I wanted, it was a brand new show, and I wanted to be, you know, the Dick Clark of radio. And then I was very quickly made to understand that, uh, in the words of my mentors, that this music thing is a hobby, not a lifetime career. And my my first uh, uh, mentor was the owner of the radio station, and her name was Lady Bird Johnson. And uh, her husband was Lyndon Johnson, who was then U.S. Senate Majority Leader. And Lady Bird had been friends with my parents uh, in college uh, 25, 30 years earlier at the University of Texas at Austin. And so it was always kind of assumed that I'd go into the family business. And so what kind of got me uh, somewhat grounded as a humanitarian and into community service, which is the topic of the current book, although one of my earlier books was about Hollywood. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, and, and my book I'm working on now, which will be my 11th book, is about the music industry. But anyway, I she sat me down at her kitchen table and smiled at me in that inimitable ladybird way and said, uh, you are a visionary. And then she said, you are a humanitarian. And then she smiled again and said, now grow into the role. She set me on the path for lifelong community service. And I'm now about 100,000 pro bono volunteer and community leadership hours away from, I've passed that. And yeah, I've gotten awards. And you know, you don't do the work for the awards. You do it because you love your community and you love your career too. And successful career people have an obligation to give back to the communities in which they do business. And the art and skill with which they're good community leaders not only is good for business, but it sustains you and makes you a more productive citizen so you sustain a more productive career. And then my, uh, so my second mentor at the radio station at the time was a 24-year-old newscaster named Bill Moyers. You know, the Bill Moyers on, on PBS. Uh, and uh, he was very young at the time. I was 10, he was 24. And he said, uh, kid, suck it up. You're not going to put Dick Clark out of business. You can like someone, you can admire someone, but you can't go through life as a carbon copy of them. And then he set out to be my first big-time mentor, and he taught me a lot of the business-isms that I later have shared with my clients, and I've had about 5,000. I've advised companies all over the world, including, you know, 100 of the Fortune 500. I've reorganized companies like, you know, Disney, Marriott, AT&T, Texco, United Way of America, you know, some other ones, and, and worked with you know, smaller groups too. But what I found was the more that I absorbed the wisdom from these wise people made me wise and made me want to continue sharing with other people down the road, which I'm still doing, and mentoring, you know, younger generations because I was the young generation. Well, Moyers taught me a couple of other things to, to, to wrap up the, the, my early start of my career. He said, you do understand why we're working here at this radio station. It's not about hobnobbing with Elvis Presley. And I said, well, he said, do you not understand this is not our core business? And I said, well, what is? I'd never heard the term core business before. And he said, our core business is Washington, D.C. You and I and others are working here until such time as our boss becomes president of the United States. And I went, oh. <laughs> and, you know, this was the spring of 1958. And our boss did become president of the United States on November 22nd, 1963. And um, so I was friends with the Johnson family. Uh, I was, Lady Bird was my mentor. And they 
by the time he became president, I was the ripe old age of 16 years old and was, I'm told, the youngest White House advisor ever. So that was the early part of my career. I, I went from being a radio DJ to being a White House advisor, but I had about five and a half years of, of, of training and mentoring to get to that position. And during the five and a half years that he was president, and uh, my, I was a policy person. I was never called an intern. Uh, the subject of age was never brought up, <laughs> other than the fact that I couldn't vote for my boss or anybody. Uh, but uh, uh, so from ages 16 through 21, that was my job. And I was, my areas of expertise were civil rights, environmental, international trade, and the World's Fair, which we had subsequently in 1968 in, in San Antonio. And uh, so that part, I was always uh, coming at business and community leadership from the bigger picture perspective. Most consultants in business today, uh, and have been all these years, are very niche focused. They're going to look at it from a financial or a marketing or a sales or a technology. You know, all of those are wonderful niches, but they're niches. So my whole thing that I was ever <laughs> instructed on how to do and encouraged to do was big picture strategy. And, uh, you know, and I had the, uh, Lyndon Johnson, LBJ, you know, there a lot of younger people don't even know who he is now because too many years have gone by. But uh, he used to say, you always start at the top. So he's the one that made sure that my first star that I ever interviewed was Elvis. <laughs> he's the one that made sure that my first assignment, once he became president, I was on the committee that wrote the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and I am darn proud of that. In later years, I've done diversity audits and assessments of corporations. Uh, diversity is wonderful. That's a you know whole other host of topics there, and uh, and so that's the kind of circles that I ran in. And then, kind of the the final answer to your question on the early days was Lady Bird was still mentoring me. You know, not only was I being mentored for if and when the White House period ever came, which it did, uh, I was being mentored uh, to be a humanitarian. And after Lady Bird kind of set me on that path a couple of years ago, uh, later, I, I was invited back to her home one day, and she had a couple of friends she wanted me to meet. And I go into her kitchen and sit down at the breakfast table, and I'm just as stunned as possible because sitting there to meet me at her kitchen table were Winston Churchill and Eleanor Roosevelt. This is The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and Dr. Barbara Young joining me as co-host. Just ahead, we continue the chat with Hank Moore, business guru and humanitarian. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Is it true that a majority of new businesses fail? Check this out. In order to have a successful growing business, there are some vital points that you must know. You must have worked them out thoroughly. They must be synchronized with each other and all employees, consultants, and companies that you depend on must know these items and be in agreement with them if your new business is to meet with a high percentage of success. Get it free. The Vision Map. Beat the odds for business success at Tony. D-U-R-S-O.com slash vision. Learn how to establish your vision, purpose, long-term objective, and master plan, including strategic and tactical planning. Get the vision map. Beat the odds for business success at Tony, D-U-R-S-O.com slash vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. 
The Dream Business Community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business Community at TonyDURSO.com slash community. Are you the right fit? We're looking for a few good sponsors that are the right fit for our world-class brand, The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with Hollywood stars, sports greats, game changers? If so, let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me at Tony at TonyDURSO.com and let's see how we can help. That's Tony at TonyDURSO.com. You're listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDURSO.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on The Spotlight with the Lifetime Achievement Award 2016 recipient, Dr. Barbara Young as co-host. Today's show is with Hank Moore, business guru and humanitarian. Hank has presented think tanks for five U.S. presidents and has spoken at seven economic summits. All right, and now back to the chat with Hank. So there I am, still 10 years old, having an intellectual conversation about humanity with those two people. And that's the way it continued with the Johnsons. Uh, They introduced me to... Many famous and infamous people, some of them weren't always known to the public, but they're the kind of people that I now call legends. And so I have several books that I could, that I call the Legends series. And I have another series of books that are my business books. So the Legends books talk about history finally and people I've known and bits of wisdom that they've given me over the years, and that includes, you know, Walt Disney and Frank Sinatra and you name it. And uh, so I, I just learned at a very early age to carefully listen to these big, you know, thinking people. And a lot of their greatness, I guess, rubbed off on me as the years went by with the understanding. They kept reminding me then that it was my obligation to keep educating future generations of all that stuff. So that's how it all started. I was just told I was going to be a, a visionary and a humanitarian. And as I continued growing into the role, it was my obligation to pass it on. So that's kind of how the evolution of the Legends <laughs> series and uh, uh, the, the one we're talking about here, Nonprofit Legends, is really the fourth of the book. The first uh, Legends book was about Hollywood and, and the film industry. And the, then the second one was one about my town that I live in, Houston Legends. And I had known and served on charity boards with a lot of big, you know, business leaders. And I finally decided that, you know, at at an advanced stage in life, I wanted to go back and pay tribute to all of them, too. And uh, a lot of them are, are known nationally and internationally, some of them aren't. I mean, some of the Houston legends are known (laughs) far and wide, you know, Howard Hughes, Beyonce, uh, lots of them, Uh, but a lot of them are lesser known. So, and then I have another book called Pop Icons and Business Legends, which was kind of a melding of pop culture and business. And that reflects, you know, one of my philosophies is that most people in their business lives are more products of the pop culture they grew up in than they are formal business training and strategy. And that by knowing pop culture as well as I do, I can help pull insights out of leaders and and reconstitute them in business terms. Uh, so that's that book. And then the, the current book, Nonprofit Legends, is, is my baby. Uh, you know, our books are like our children. We love them all equally. But one 
stands out for a reason. <laughs> and with me, it's book number nine, which is Nonprofit Legend. That's, you know, it's a subject matter. I'm humbled by the subject matter. That is absolutely phenomenal, Hank. And I thank you so much for sharing all that and telling us how it started. So much you've done. There's so much, so many questions. It's impossible to get it all on one show. We'll have to bring you back. And I'm going to digress here because there's something I've seen in your bio. And I have to ask you. How did you get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Was it because you were an early DJ at 10 years old? Yes. Uh, And that's, uh, you know, one of the things that I remind business clients of, we're constantly trying to reconstitute visions. And I'm always saying, go back to what brought you to the dance originally. Go back to the early joy that you got and reconstitute that as you revision your company. Anyway, with me... Yeah. Um, I walked into work one Saturday morning. At this point, I'd been working in radio for about a year. And I remember the date very well because there's a famous song written about that date. It was February 3rd, 1959, which Don McLean sang about in the song American Pie, the day the music died, meaning the day that innocence (laughs) died and rock and roll came of age. And, uh, my my other mentor at the radio station was a fellow named Cactus Pryor, and he's well-known in Texas, but really not nationally. And he said, uh, uh, well, you know, you kid, your rock and roll music is now of age. Why don't you just start documenting it? And this, this fellow from Texas, Buddy Holly, that was in the plane crash, you need to, to put together a tribute, and from here on, you need to start documenting the worth of that music because the golden what we were calling golden oldies in radio at that time was the big band music of the 30s and 40s which was before my time but i had to learn it so i could play it on the radio so next thing i knew i was playing 50s music and as the years went by 60s and 70s and documenting golden oldies and so i found myself the niche that i was in thanks to cactus prior was doing the weekend oldies show and that's what oldies you know shows were originally they weren't a full-time format and so when the rock and roll hall of fame later came along i mean i had done several interesting oldie shows i originated and hosted the first black uh, soul oldies show in the nation and that was in the late 70s i did one of the first country oldie shows and that was not my forte i had to learn it and i did uh, an oldie show focusing on jazz and broadway music and all this so my in other words my my music scope was pretty wide most people and formats in radio are pretty narrow and uh so you know i could do it all about the only format i never worked was classical but uh, so I started producing all these documentaries, and at one point, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and this is really interesting, uh, they would, when they first got going, most people don't understand or don't know, and it's a good thing to learn, is we all know about the performers that get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There are six other sections. And, you know, there's one for radio DJs, there's one for um, industry executives, there's one for people that develop technologies for the recording industry. It's kind of like the Oscars, you know, when you're watching the Oscars, they, they go, well, uh, earlier this week we had a ceremony and we honored some really neat, interesting people. Let's all give them a round of applause and get back to our show. That's the way the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, too. <laughs> so uh, they they did have a separate ceremony to honor people in those niche groups. But if you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, same thing as is having an Oscar, you're in it. The interesting irony about that was in 1967, I was still working as a uh, White House advisor, and then I occasionally, people like Bill Moyers had 
continued to tell me, uh, get out of music. That's just fun hobby stuff. That's not a career. Well, I didn't really listen to them. And though the bulk of what I was was a serious advisor, I would still keep a hand in music and I would host an, uh, you know, an occasional oldie show and I would emcee an occasional concert. Uh, one of those concerts was in 1965. I got to be one of the three DJs that introduced the Beatles in concert in their Houston concert. Wow. And then two years later, uh, I was uh, uh, still being the White House advisor, but I was back in Austin, and I emceed a movie premiere for a film starring Sonny and Cher, and they were, you know, the hottest thing around at that point, and I have pictures of me with Sonny and Cher, and they've been on Facebook at nauseam, <laughs> and, and they've even been in a couple of my books. Uh, the most recent book it, that that picture is in is in Pop Icons and Business Legends, because you don't get much bigger pop icon than Cher, uh, but... Uh, and then I stayed in contact with him over the years. Darned if 25 years later, I get a call in 1992 saying, you are one of the DJs that we're inducting into this brand new section. They had just added a section in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I go to the ceremony and darned if who I don't get inducted by, I don't get handed the certificate, was from Sonny and Cher. It, I mean, that just kind of blows my It doesn't blow my mind because that's one of the reasons I write these Legends books. The past really does keep coming back to us. And if we're ready to receive it, that it becomes our next new great creative idea. A lot of times, you know, taking old ideas that either worked or didn't work from the past, we give them new coats of paint, and that's the new visioning program for the company. Uh, and sometimes we'll take ideas from other companies and implement them, so to speak. Um, and so, but the past has a way of continuing to come back to us in our lives. And if we're ready to receive it, I mean, Sonny and Cher themselves even had a hit song about that subject. It was called The Beat Goes On. And it was just, yeah, I mean, by that point, when I was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Sonny and Cher had long divorced, but they remained friends. Sonny was remarried. He was a member of Congress at that point, and yet he still occasionally appeared at something music-related. I mean, isn't that interesting how those That's things happen in our lives? Thank you so much for sharing all that. Yeah. Wow, just a whole new layer and dimension on everything. This is The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and Dr. Barbara Young as co-host. Just ahead, we're going to find out more from Hank Moore, business guru and humanitarian. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Are you the right fit? We're looking for a few good sponsors that are the right fit for our world-class brand, The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with Hollywood stars, sports greats, game changers? If so, let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me at Tony at TonyDurso.com and let's see how we can help. That's Tony at TonyDurso.com. The Dream Business community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business community at TonyDurso.com slash community. Is it true that a majority of new businesses fail? Check this out. In order to have a successful growing business, there are some vital points that you must know. You must have worked them out thoroughly. They must be synchronized with each other. And all employees, consultants, and companies 
that you depend on must know these items and be in agreement with them if your new business is to meet with a high percentage of success. Get it free. The Vision Map. Beat the odds for business success at TonyDurso.com slash vision. Learn how to establish your vision, purpose, long-term objective, and master plan, including strategic and tactical planning. Get the vision map. Beat the odds for business success at TonyDurso.com slash vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. Listening to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now back to the Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on the Spotlight with the Lifetime Achievement Award 2016 recipient, Dr. Barbara Young as co-host. Today's show is with Hank Moore, business guru and humanitarian. As the nation's only corporate strategist, Hank Moore advises companies about growth strategies, visioning, planning, and big picture issues which profoundly affect the business climate. All right, back to the chat with Hank. I've just been sitting here just... Marveling at such an interesting. This is the kind of stuff you can't make up. I mean, it was. No. It's been a fabulous <laughs> life to live, and it it's is. just been. You know, you can't make this stuff up. History and pop culture and all how they merge together is just fascinating. Well, you certainly have had a very interesting and charmed and very varied life. But Hank, I just have one question. Uh-huh. This is intriguing me during all of this. What has been the greatest challenge that you had, and how did you overcome it? To get people to think creatively about a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of times as outside advisors, we mm-hmm. are, you know, we're outsiders. We're objective, and that's right. good. But we, some, and we have to, there is an art to becoming the objective outsider. A lot of people in organizations, and this is getting to the the challenge you're asking about, how many times do we go into companies and they go, you're not one of us. You're just, you're just, and I get this when I go around and, and, and about, you know, in, you know, when I talk finally about diversity and they go, well, you don't look like Someone who, you know, or you know, or you don't look like a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because you're wearing a business suit. Well, so does Dick Clark. So did mm-hmm. Dick Clark. And the the biggest challenge is to get people to think that all the creative juice ideas mm-hmm. are theirs. Uh, I mean, I have, I, I and I learned this, I guess, originally through uh, the music industry and then through, you know, the political mm-hmm. in Washington, you know, mm-hmm. you always get people to, to buy in sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. In the case of the entertainment industry, so many styles change so often. You've got to be ahead of the next style. Yes. Uh, I mean, what I did, at least in radio, was understand that my niche was to be the interpreter of the past as it relates to the today and the future. You know, not to live in the past. And that's what I do with the Legends books. It's not to say old things were better in the good old days. In some ways they were, and some, in most ways they're not. You know, our be- mm-hmm. people say all the time, are our best days behind us? No. Not at all. Best days are ahead of us. <laughs> That's right, and and we're in them now, and we help make them. So the the, the real challenge. I mean, I have had people fight tooth and nail because when you come into a company mm-hmm. and you know after my Washington period ended and all that, and I've been for the last forty plus years doing my corporate work, and occasionally I'll still work with 
public sectors. I've, I've uh, advised many companies and in, 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 in many uh, communities and visioning programs. Uh, I, I, I've advised the cities of San Diego and Phoenix and Dallas and Syracuse, New York, through their visioning programs. Communities have to have those. Uh, one of the ones that I am most proud of was the work that I did uh, with uh, Littleton, Colorado, after the Columbine shooting. Oh, yeah. And I was called in to help revision the community. (laughs) And I went in there, and one of the first questions I asked the community leaders, I said, well, where's your economic development plan? And they, they, they just kind of, they said, my God, man, children were just killed here. Have you no heart? I go, yes, I have a lot of heart. Where's your economic development plan? Do you people not understand? You can either go through life as a sad footnote in history, or you can be seen as a community in transition. And and I've worked with other companies. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. other communities. Uh, you know, wouldn't surprise me if I didn't wind up working with, you know, Florida and California communities. You know, because when you get to a crisis, you got to get past it, and then you've got to robustly go ahead. But every time you're in the crisis, they want to fight you. So that's that's the challenge is to be the good creative outsider. Yeah, it would be nice to be uh, embraced a little sooner and (laughs) then later. And I I kept going back to Littleton, Colorado off and on uh, for one of the last recommendations I made after working with them for about a year and a half um, uh, after we brought industry into the town and created jobs and and created, improved the sense of community. I went to one of their luncheons one time and they said, well, and here's our, our mentor. Thank you so much for coming back to join us. And we just hope we didn't give you too bad, too rough a time <laughs> in the beginning. And we hope the next community that calls on you to help them is going to, you know, gravitate to your ideas a little faster than we did. And I said, oh, no, you guys were wonderful. Well, the irony is I went back a year later, and they said, uh, uh, did the next community gravitate to your ideas? I said, no. <laughs> it, was, it was New Orleans, need I say more. <laughs> I, I, I had five uh, frustrating uh, journeys to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina try to help them organize their visioning community. They just weren't ready to, mm-hmm. to hear it. You know, it was so much easier to scapegoat the messenger. And yeah. that's a big problem in society now, in all aspects of society. And uh, But it's just, you know... But someone's still got to be the messenger. And that's what, you know, Dr. B and I and, and, and Tony, we, we try to be the good messenger most of the time. Yes. You know, I'd rather give the client the friendly uncle talk rather than the Dutch uncle talk. I've had to do that, too, <laughs> a few times. But, you know, uh, it, it happens. Uh, and And... and you know, a, a major corporation, since we're talking publicly, I better not say the name of it, a major oil company got into some issues with, uh, you know, some inappropriate uh, uh, ethnic slurs were uttered, and suddenly they were in a cycle of needing to take diversity training. And I happen to think diversity is wonderful. It, and I don't understand why people think that going to diversity classes is, is, is not a good thing. It's the mm-hmm. most wonderful thing, but then mm-hmm. since I was on the Civil Rights Committee, I would think that way. Well, I was hired to go to New York and spend four hours in closed-door session with their board of directors. Uh, and, and I've done this, programs like this before. And mm-hmm. so I would talk about a lot of the required subject matter that they needed to have, you know, talking about diversity and, and, and other issues. And then I would put the papers down and say, now let's talk about what this has to do with your stock price. 
And suddenly their ears perked up. <laughs> and this is one of the biggest oil companies in the world. And the chairman at one point uh, stopped me and he said, and other board members kept saying, well, you know, diversity is not terrible. It's wonderful. I said, that's all I'm trying to say to you people. It's being the kind of company you want to be as robustly as you can be. And uh, he said to me, he stopped me, and he said, uh, let me ask you, in one, yes, biggest, in one sentence, what do you think is the biggest problem with this company? <laughs> and I, I <laughs> smiled because one of the things I learned from my era in Washington is you always smile and give the diplomatic answer first and really get them thinking. Then you might zap them with some deeper insights after that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about being politically correct. It's getting them thinking, right? And uh, so I was sitting there, I was standing there smiling about to answer. He said, what do you think is the biggest problem with this company? I said, he said, I know what you're thinking, too damn many engineers. And I said, in part, that's right, sir, but the biggest problem with this company is those engineers do not understand that exploration and production is no longer your core business. Your core business is energy marketing. And I looked at the other board members and I said, and furthermore, why is, are there not, is there not a marketing guru on this board? Why is this board not as diverse to have a technology guru? This board is not reflecting the diversity that you want to implement, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and they went, whoa. So I was talking about a whole bunch of deep stuff and they could enter, t- they could interpret it on their own level. That's, that's what I learned from Winston Churchill and Eleanor Roosevelt. They said, yeah, you know, going around being intellectual is kind of a dirty word, but if you're the voice of common sense, they might listen to it more. That's great. So I learned that when I was 12, and I just kept doing it. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and Dr. Barbara Young as co-host. Just ahead, Hank shares more insights and his contact info. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Is it true that a majority of new businesses fail? Check this out. In order to have a successful growing business, there are some vital points that you must know. You must have worked them out thoroughly. They must be synchronized with each other and all employees, consultants, and companies that you depend on must know these items and be in agreement with them if your new business is to meet with a high percentage of success. Get it free. The Vision Map, Beat the Odds for Business Success at TonyDurso.com slash vision. Learn how to establish your vision, purpose, long-term objective, and master plan, including strategic and tactical planning. Get the Vision Map, Beat the Odds for Business Success at TonyDurso.com slash vision, V-I-S-I-O-N. The Dream Business Community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business Community at TonyDurso.com slash community. Are you the right fit? We're looking for a few good sponsors that are the right fit for our world-class brand. The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with Hollywood stars, sports greats, game changers? If so, let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me at Tony at TonyDurso.com and let's see how we can help. That's Tony at TonyDurso.com. You're 
listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on The Spotlight with the Lifetime Achievement Award for 2016 recipient, Dr. Barbara Young, as co-host. Today's show is with Hank Moore, business guru and humanitarian. Hank published more than 200 articles and monographs in business publications, journals, and consumer magazines. His book series, The Lost Lessons, examines business concepts, values, and mass culture influences that affect every person's professional life. All right, and now, back to the chat. I just have another question, too, about your business tree, uh, your book called The Business Uh Tree. Uh Um, You've got volumes in that business tree, and I like the titles of them, The High Cost of Doing Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) It's Almost Uh Tomorrow, Uh and Secrets of the CEOs and Confidence. So uh, my question is, um, Hank, you're prolific in terms of being creative and the musical background and then your common sense and business approach. What motivated you to write this book and the volumes with it? Well, and that, yeah, that's really my signature book. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sequel to it is about to come out in January. It's called The Big Picture of Business. Problem, there are many problems with business. Biggest mm-hmm. problem is is people focus too much on the niches, not on the overall strategy. Mm-hmm. And and it's not their fault entirely. You know, somebody comes out of a core industry, they come out of the widget industry and they know how to make a widget. Mm-hmm. And but then they don't know how to run a widget company. They don't know how to market. Oh, yes. They don't know how mm-hmm. to do the other stuff. Mm-hmm. As a, a business advisor, and I use actually have the term corporate strategist trademark, which is, I don't want to say a higher niche than a consultant, uh, but but it is. Uh, but but it's what it means is that I'm a lot of times finding myself coming in after the company has gotten bad advice from the wrong consultants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, research tells us yes. that uh, 2% of all consultants in business really are, uh, meaning that the others are vendors peddling services mm-hmm. and uh, of one type or another. And then you get into various categories within that, you know. Uh, but, but so what... I always was, uh, even, you know, back in the early part of my career, you know, I was not, you know, a politician. I was not a lot of stuff, but I became the overview guy on those niche issues. And so in business organization, I, I would get called in constantly, I still do, when somebody, most people that run businesses are not experts on business, mm-hmm. and they need someone to advise them. The wise ones listen. The wiser ones actually take the advice, and the wisest ones are the ones that get so inspired that they become, they take themselves to the next level. So what what I had been noticing over many years, and when someone calls you a consultant, they're a lot of times lumping you with the last one that they had a bad experience with. And so I would get called in to fix pieces of the problem. Uh, biggest areas when the management says, fix those people. So they've <laughs> already uh, categorized training and uh, organizational development into a category. Mm-hmm. And, and, and same thing with diversity. Same thing with, you know, Sales and marketing, you know, you know, some of them are more glamorous than others, seemingly, but to people that aren't in that niche, it's something that's been inflicted on them. So what I would go in and start doing is the more big picture I got. So I came up uh, with, by after 20 years of doing this, mm-hmm. I came up with my business tree concept. 
And I was originally going to have a pie chart, and it was originally called the seven parts and paces of an organization. It was going to look like a pie chart, how we looked at the whole, then we looked at the pieces as they related to the whole, and then back to the whole again. Well, who do you think inspired me? She didn't call it the business tree. Good old Lady Bird Johnson was always there with me. <laughs> she said, <laughs> well, you know, why don't you give it an, an environmental feel to it? And I said, yes, ma'am, that's a great idea. I said, you know, now that I think about it, that tree outside that we're looking at, and we were sitting in, in her home, and we were looking in her backyard. I said, that tree seemingly looks the same every day, and but as the seasons go by and the rain and the hurricanes and all that stuff happen in environment, they're going to shed leaves, they're going to lose branches, and it's going to still look the same, but it's going to wither and die, or it's going to regrow itself. And she said, well, you've just all thought up your business strategy right there. Go do it. <laughs> you know, good, good old lady bird. And, I mean, she was up in age at that point. This was long after the Washington period. Uh-huh. And so... I came up with the business tree concept. So the seven parts are, to quickly, um, branch one is core business, which is 12% of the emphasis that a company should make in its planning and its strategy. Branch two is running the business. Now we're getting into the area where widget people have troubles running widget companies. That's another 12%. Mm-hmm. Then branch three is financial. Now, you know, the, the, the financial and bean counters out there think that their branch three perspective is the big picture, to which I say, no, it's 10% of the big wow. picture. So. Mm-hmm. You add those branches, one, two, and three, what I've found after working with all these companies over the years, most companies spend all of their time that 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 34% of those three branches, one, two, and three, Mm -hmm. they never get past branch three is what I'm trying to say. That becomes 100% when they say, you know, we're up to our waist in alligators or whatever. They're Mm -hmm. too busy working in the business, not on the business. So that 34% becomes 100% of their emphasis. That's why their business trees keel over and die before their time. Wow. And, and, the, and by doing that, they're neglecting branch four, 28%, which is people, the most neglected part of every organization. When they have funding cutbacks, what do they cut back first? Training, organizational development, their HR gets kind of sloppy, might even get outsourced. Uh, training is, and, and all of that is so very, very, research tells us that the average person in business needs three times the amount of training that they're presently getting in order to even survive, much less successfully move forward. And then you get into what kinds of training do they need. It's not just about typing on a computer. It's developing Mm -hmm. critical thinking skills. Well, anyway, Mm -hmm. that's 28%. Branch 5, 23%, the second biggest branch, is not surprisingly, business development. What's the other area that they make cuts in when they shouldn't? Marketing, advertising, public relations. Uh, Another part of Branch 5 is research, which no one wants to pay to have done, but it's Mm -hmm. very, very important. Well, those five main branches that I just described 99.99999, virtually every employee of every company and every consultant fits on one of those five branches. And they generally take an approach that their branch is the only branch that matters. And my comment is that they all matter. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so what I am, and there aren't many of us that are down there, uh, category six, you can't have a tree without having a trunk. And that's uh, 8%. Uh, And I call that body of knowledge. That's understanding competently the relationship of every tree 
and sub part of of the limbs to each other, how they relate to each other and to the bigger whole. That also includes something that, that companies need to focus on more is every factor that can affect your company coming from without understanding regulations before they hit you after the mm-hmm. fact, understanding mm-hmm. how to develop stakeholders. You know, mm-hmm. there are people out there, and that would be another key word I'd probably want to leave listeners with is think about stakeholders. There are people that could help you that you aren't even on your radar right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about networking, and that's part of it in business mm-hmm. development, but stakeholders are people who sometimes they're kind of sort of your competitor, but now they might be a partner. One of my favorite chapters oh. in the business tree is uh, collaborations, partnering, and joint venturing. And where did I get the original concept for that? From President Johnson, who used to say, come, let us reason together. (laughs) I I steer clear of politics, by the way, then and now, but partisan politics. That is absolutely amazing about your business tree. And there's such some great questions there on business and, and the strategy and how to look at things. Absolutely love it. I wanted to mention before this interview closes is that your book, Nonprofit Legends, it's your third book nominated for a Pulitzer. And I just wanted to acknowledge that, that that is absolutely amazing. You are an author with three books nominated for a Pulitzer. That's, that's astounding. My hat's off to you on that. Yes. Yeah, it's an honor. It's like the Oscars. It's an honor to be nominated. <laughs> Thank you. And your, la- and your new you. book coming out? Is what's the title of that? Another one? business book. It's going to be the, it's going to be the follow up to Business Tree. Uh, I've done three Legends books. I had done a series of business books, and it was time for another one. It's called The Big Picture of Business, and uh, then the book after that is Pop Music Legends. The one after that I'm scheduled to do is another business book um, um, uh, called called American Business Legends, and that's where I dealt I delve back into the greats, how they did it, why they did it, and what we can learn from them. And I've and because I've I've met and got a lot of that material from, you know, a lot of those guys, everyone from Walt Disney to Lee Icoca to Bill Gates. And then there'll be one more Legends book after that that'll deal with sports and Hollywood again. You gotta get back to that. Um, so basically every other book is is a business book and every alternate book is an entertainment book. Very cool. Hank, would you like to provide any contact information of how our audience can get a hold of you, please? Uh, yes, my, my website, and that contains contact information, is www.hankmore.com, H-A-N-K-M-O-O-R-E, hankmore.com. And um, there are other websites that the books have. Each book has its own website, but hankmore.com would be you know the contact on it. Of course, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all those those other things. You know, we the the main thing is we just got to share a lot of that good business knowledge and 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 pop culture and community knowledge. You know, the the, the art of volunteering, and that's the last thing I'd say is. We are all citizens of the world, and the art and the skill with which we serve each other not only enriches society, but it it helps us. You know, there, there's a word that I use in my books called potlash, P-O-T-L-A-C-H-E, and it means I give you a gift, and the warmth and openness with which you receive it is my gift. So when we volunteer... When, Generously, we get our rewards many times over, and it's not—it's not in plaques and, and trophies. Yeah, I've got a few of those. You know, you don't do those for the recognition. You do them because you care. Very you know? cool. Mm-hmm. All right, Very thank you good. so much, and so cool, right on point. Again, everyone, such an amazing interview with Hank Moore, business guru and humanitarian, and. You're a living legend. Thank you so much for sharing all this with us, Hank. My honor. It's always nice to relive all of that. Oh, <laughs> like Sonny and Shear said, <laughs> the beat goes on. I love it. I love it. I think I could do I could do a whole day's episodes of shows on all of these topics. Just so much to talk about. Just love it. And I want to thank you so much. And Dr. B, I want to thank you so much for being such a great co-host 
and I really look forward to your charming personality once again on the spotlight. Thank you. It was my honor. And Mr. Moore, it was a pleasure to meet you and to hear your story today. And thank you for sharing about the business tree. Thank you. All right. And to our Spotlight audience, thanks again. It's our honor to have you listen. All right. Keep your focus on success, and we'll see you next on the Spotlight. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and his special VIP co-host. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend.